How now? All right, how are we doing? Good? All right, so great to see all of you. Welcome back. If it's been if it's been like your first time since like COVID, welcome back. If it's your first time ever, welcome back. So, uh, or welcome, probably a better way to put that. All right, my name is Chris Pleckenpoel. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad that all of you are here with us. And uh, one of the things I love are questions, all right? So if please tune in to Pastor Plex podcast. We would love to be able to interact with you. So um, the way that I... How, how are we doing on the sound? How are you feeling about that? Feeling good? All right. All right. So what happens, I would love for you to uh, interact with me by when I bring up something maybe controversial or culturally relevant and you're like sideways glance, let me know because I would love to talk about it. I have like a backlog of awesome cultural questions, which I promise I'm going to get to all of them. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have a great host, Katie Sass. Where's Katie? She's still in here. Yeah, Katie's been awesome helping me out with that. So, uh, and all the team that's been working on getting past Plex podcast to the top of the charts. It's way up there. We have like tens of uh, listeners every week. Okay. So uh, <laughs> we're in a series called What's My Calling? All right. And I've been so excited about this uh, series because what we've been doing is we've been asking uh, really us to look at how do we hear from God? To know What am I supposed to be doing? What is the direction that I need to be going? Everybody here at one point has just said, God, I don't know what to do. We've all been there. We've all said it. We've all wondered it. Whether it was like uh, you were trying to pick a spouse or get picked by a spouse or whatever that looked like for you, right? Uh, And then in your marriage or in your relationship and you're like knee deep in it and you're frustrated and angry and you're like, I can't even, I don't even know what to do. Am I done? Am I out? And so what I want to see is how do you know? And really, we've been walking through this um, series, and we started out with um, this picture, which if you can't tell, those are a bunch of grapes. I didn't draw it, but I found it on a vector file somewhere. And what I want you to see is that Jesus said to us in John 15, I am a vine. You are the branches. And your purpose is to bear good fruit. And apart from Jesus, you can't do it. And the fruit that he talked about was joy. That no matter what your current set of circumstances, the fruit you would bear is joy. What's going to make you different from every other person that you work with, from every other person in your family, from the other people of the world, is that you've got joy in spite of circumstances. Anybody can have joy when things are going great. You got the deal. Woo! You just got married and it's awesome for the honeymoon. Woo! Everyone, like, she said yes. Can you believe it? Those are joyful moments. But if you can have joy when the bottom drops out of your life, when he or she leaves, when uh, the job you thought was a lock isn't, that is, that is different kind of living right here because it doesn't make sense because it means you have hope in something you cannot see. Okay? And then the second fruit that we talked about is love. And love, we talked about this, is not something you find or fall into but something that you bear. And that this love is something that we give to one another as a display of what's going on in our heart. And if we don't remain in Jesus, let me tell you something, it's really hard to love one another. Because when you start loving from the flesh, it gets all sort of crazy. You get really angry. You get really lustful. Things don't look right. Okay? Fair? Okay, so then then we, we said this, that... Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, so nobody can boast. 
all right? Because the last thing you want to do is like, look, I'm saved. Yay, I look at all I did. Look what, Jesus, look what I brought to the table. I am capital A awesome, okay? Then the reality is you're not, right? He did it all, but the reality is he didn't just save you to kind of usher you into the presence of God, although you are. He saved you because we are his workmanship. He crafted you. We're creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works. So what we said is like, if there is something, a good work that we should be doing, we should ask God to know what that is. Like that seems like a normal thing to do. And what we said is that James 1.5, one of my favorite verse of all times, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God, gives generously all without finding fault. So you have the ability to go to him, ask, what do I do? And he will answer. It is a promise. It's conditional. And we'll talk about that in a sec. And so I think that's the part that I feel like we struggle with. But then we went here and we said, listen, here's what, when it comes to understanding our call or what really God's will is, we have three components, God's word, God's spirit, God's people. And sometimes we confuse God's word for my word. Sometimes we confuse God's people for my people who tell me whatever I want to hear. And sometimes we tell, we confuse God's spirit for like, I want to. And I think what, for the most of us, when we're thinking about relationships, that's kind of where I'm directing us today, is that... Um, a lot of you get into, remember we've said this, you get into a relationship with somebody, you totally get God's people out of the way, so you fall off planet for a good solid six months, you show up engaged, and you're like, we're engaged, and everyone's like, great. We have no idea who this person is, and we're grateful that you found your somebody, but I'm sure a lot of darkness went into the, the whole process of figuring that out, and you didn't want anybody else's input, because you didn't want, you were afraid what? That somebody might say, No because you don't want to live in a fishbowl. You don't want everybody staring at your life, especially in small church world. I mean, look at this. The people are all going to look, they're all going to say something, blah, 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 blah. You're, everyone goes down that road, and we're terrified of the people, and that makes us the Lone Ranger Christian, or you know, sometimes I call it the Christian tourist, where I love Jesus, and I love the Holy Spirit, but I just don't do his people. That's not Christian, because God's word and God's spirit always say love his people. And so what happens is, is, or we can kind of go in this place where I'm going to surround myself, get the holy huddle going. I'm going to take zero risk. And so I get my people, and it's either a cult or a clique. Maybe it's a clique and youth group, because that's how it is. It's a cult and big church, because everyone's like telling you to do stuff that's not from the word. And don't take a risk. Don't bring those people here that vote different, look different, all those things different. We don't want to have any weird experience with people that might have an argument, might be uncomfortable, might be fill in the blank. And then we've all said this, and this is usually where I think most of our churches, we love God's spirit, we love God's people, but we don't want God, God's word, because that gets irritating. So we either modify it to kind of fit everyone liking me. And what we said was, essentially when you've got this, I just want my fan club that's just here to support me and I have any decision I make. And so this becomes a problem uh, when we talk about um, marriage and singleness, because when, just for single people, you're, the primary thing you're asking is, is this relationship toxic or not? Should I get out or stay in? Should I, should I, should I, what should I do? And then if you're married and you're in, you're in. And you're like, I, like, how, where do I draw? I don't want to be another doormat. I can't do this another night like this. I can't do that. What do I do? And so I want to get to that. Um, because what I feel like when we're asking, um, 
from people is, or what people ask me is, is like, what do I need to do? And they're looking really for like some sort of recipe. Like what's the, what's the steps I need to take? And unfortunately there are no steps because even if you do all the right things, the other person still has a say. I think what we're really wanting is magic, right? What we want is like, just tell me what I need to do to get God to do what I need him to do. And magic always works some of the time. Always. In fact, you've prayed stuff and God answered. Uh, okay, can I just tell one story? This is hilarious. I, when I was uh, in the army, I had a guy named uh, Josh. And Josh was not a Christian. And he goes, man, one time I was at this bar and I just prayed to God. That he make me, let me let, make love to that lady in the red dress. And I did that night. And that's how I know there's a God. And I was like, Somebody answered your prayer. <laughs> I don't think it was Jesus. All right? I'm just throwing that out there. Like, and then when we do this, we say, like, no, I prayed and it happened, so therefore God must want that to be true. <laughs> and we'd all, I mean, that was the conversation. We always go back to that moment, and he would just, I don't love your Jesus, but I know there's a big universal power out there that wants me to, to succeed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that makes no sense at all. That is pretty much having the whole universe at your disposal for your power. If you just say it right. And I think that's where we go. I want what I want when I want it. In fact, here's, here's, here's what I think the, the, the cultural norm of this time is, do no harm. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, then we should all be for it, and you should support me. Okay, and so this is when I, I want to get into hearing from God, and I think that we miss our calling in our singleness and in our marriage because we have dismissed holiness between us and God. And whenever I say the word holiness, I, use, I can feel an internal eye roll. Can anybody else? You're like, oh, come on, really? Are we doing that? I, holiness? Like, does anybody talk about? What the heck is holiness? I mean, we're going to get to that. Okay, or holiness between one another. And this is where I want to take that, like, your holiness is completely, if you want to know what your calling is, hang with me. Because remember, God's word says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, to us all without finding fault. So therefore, there is a way to know. And you have, he has a good work for you that he planned beforehand in advance. So it's not like he doesn't, he's like, I don't know what we're going to do with Chris. I just, you know, he's like, it's just let's all the dice, figure it out. But no, this is, this is where he has a plan for us. And I'm going I'm to help us figure out where our holiness directly correlates to hearing from God specifically. You guys with me? In singleness and marriage, you guys ready? Like, this, you need to hold on to your hats, because this is going to be an exciting ride. All right, we're going to be in First Peter, which might be the sticky part of your Bible in the back. All right, and uh, we're going to be going through the, I'm going to give you a quick summary of the whole thing, which you're like, do you have time for that? Yes, I do, because I'm a professional. All right, so First Peter 1. All right, don't trust the home, kids. First Peter 1, listen, you are born again. Don't be conformed to your old life. You are saved. You are brand new. Don't act like the rest of the world. First Peter 2. Hey, live like somebody's been born again. You've been saved, transformed. And then submit to authority, even if you have to suffer for it. Like the government or the guy that you work for that's really not pleasant. Okay, then be married like one who is born again and suffer well. And then 1 Peter 4, be pure like one, one born again. And you should suffer well. Okay, then 1 Peter 5, elders, shepherd the flock while they do all the suffering and be married like one born again, be pure like one born again, and living like one born again, submitting to government 
and to uh, their bosses when it's really painful. Peace out. Okay, that's kind of, that's the whole ride of First Peter. So we're going to focus on, on a couple verses that out of this, it really gets to this whole heartbeat of how am I going to discern what God has for me? And then obviously our holiness is going to play into this too. All right, you guys with me? So we are going to be in First Peter chapter 2 to start. And I'm going to pray for us and ask God to open up our hearts, that he would speak through us, that we could hear him in a moment of time, and everyone would hear what they need to hear individually. Will you pray with me? Father, you are so good. And I'm praying that somebody might hear from you for the first time. And all the stuff that they've been running through, going through, doing things through, and Life got hard in their singleness, in their marriage, in their life. And God, you would give them a path forward in you. Lord, would, as I read the word, would it be proclaimed in their heart so that it doesn't just stay in this room, but goes out into a city that's lost? We love you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 9. Now remember, Peter is writing to Gentile Christians, in other words, Christians that weren't like Jewish born and then became Christians when they're like, oh yeah, Jesus, that makes sense. Messiah, got it. It's people that had no clue about Jewish history, did not grow up learning the Torah. One day someone said, hey, this guy's got the power of life and death, and he rose from the dead. I'm with him. You got in? And they're like, yeah, sounds good. And so now they're in. They've been transformed from the inside out. Their sins have been freed. Now watch, watch this now, but Peter is wanting to make sure that he makes them recognize that they're not just people born again, which is his terminology, but they are also grafted into the history of Israel, all right, which is kind of an exciting thing. If that's you, you're like, I've never read the Torah. Don't worry. We're here for you to get you through this, okay? You are a chosen race, you Christians that have no history in the Jewish world. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you may have heard me say this, and I will probably say it several times today. We are called to push back against the darkness because of our mere presence. There's a whole world of darkness out there. Now, when he says this, he's connecting them to the Israelites who were taken out of Egypt. What do you mean? So this phrase is from Exodus 19.6. Where are my nerds at? Okay, no, no okay, three. Okay, good. Uh, the, everyone else, don't worry about it. I'm just for those three. This is the exact phrase that uh, God used of the Israelite nation as they're leaving Egypt, said you are going to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation so that all would see your light and come to you. Okay? So, so you've got that. So he's like connecting you Gentile Christians. I know you're suffering. I know things are hard, but there's something more important here that your suffering is going to lead to a greater witness. Okay. Watch this. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy to which you're like, that was sort of redundant. No, no. What he's doing is he's connecting them back to Hosea. Okay. Hosea is a, it's called minor prophet which is kind of a fun thing. Minor prophet meaning uh, 
There's long books of the prophets. Those are the major prophets. Short books called minor prophets. That's literally the only difference between the two. They're shorter. So in Hosea chapter 1, verse 6, he says, listen, you Israelites who are going after all the other nations, and he calls it whoring, which is just really awkward to say at church, but he said, you're whoring after everybody else, and you're pretty much like a prostitute. And he takes Hosea, who's a prophet, said, you, go down the strip club, marry a prostitute. And he's like, all right. So he heads over there, and they have kids. All right. And so he's, and God tells Hosea, I want you to name your kid, not my people to which you're like, well, that's an unfortunate name. That's going to be a tough one in middle school. That's just not going to go well. All right. And then listen, I want you to have another kid and you're going to name that kid. No mercy. We're calling that kid. No mercy, which he was like Cobra Kai. It was like pretty good for him. He was hardcore. All right. So what happens is, is we've got this incredible experience here where these say, you were once not my people, but now you're my people because in Hosea 2.23, says, I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And so you are even grafted into that. Good news. Good news. And then he's going to say, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. This is language that would only Jewish people would know, but Abraham and Sarah sojourned. They were travelers, nomads across the world because their home is in heaven. Exiles, because the Babylon, the, during the Babylonian exile, they spent 70 years in captivity before they were released back. And so they're always saying, my home is not where I live. My home is God's home. So, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And this is the part where everyone's like, what do you mean by passions of the flesh? Can we just kind of get a little more detail on what that means? I don't think I have to get detail, but because you asked, uh, we will. All right. Look at verse 12. He's going to be more clear. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Remember, you live among the Gentiles. You are a Gentile. You're a Christian. You're an exile. You're a sojourner. You're now, this is not your home. Those are not your people. You are my people, God's people. Keep your conduct among the generals honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, which is really weird because evildoers is like you're being righteous. And they're like, oh, well, 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 because little Mr. Goody Two Shoes now. You think that you have the sex ethic sort of for everybody. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Do you, does this sound familiar to anybody? This is Matthew 5, 16. In the same way that your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is, this is Peter. Remember Peter, like disciple Peter. He was there for the Sermon on the Mount going like, oh, yeah, I'll write that down. And he puts it right here. Okay, now, in other words, uh, this is huge. So you, you see your good works. God calls Christians to holiness. And so I'm going to talk to specifically singles for a second. God calls Christian singles to holiness. Now, when I was growing up, um, holiness is a word that you don't use. But let's talk, let's, let's talk about how we have used it in our lives. For me, as a kid, holiness meant um, achievement. Holiness meant achievement. Uh, as long as I won, as long as I got the grades, as long as I was doing a little bit better than everybody else, I was considered holy. Now, here's why this matters. I felt welcomed into the group when I was popular. I felt welcomed into the group when I was a winner. I, when I was at, uh, you know, there's the cool kid table at lunch. Not cool kid, cool kid table. As long as I was at the cool kid table at lunch, I was good. Whenever I had got you know, forced to go sit with the non-cool kids, that was a hard moment. And so I felt unholy, unclean. That, that, in fact, that's typical high school. Can I get an amen from that? 
All right. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So if you got stuck at the unclean table, you're like, well, I guess I'm not good enough. I don't have holiness. Okay? That, that, so in my head, now my, my parents, they, I mean, they went to church somewhat, or at least they at least dropped me off. Uh, and, um, and so the, that, was, that was the standard of, of right now. I don't know if they put that on me. I don't, I don't think they did because I was more worried about my grades than they were. In fact, when I was, a, I think I was a junior or senior, and uh, there was a test. I, my, I knew my class ranking was hanging in the balance, okay? And um, I wanted to make sure I was upping my way up the totem pole because if I get at least the top 10, I knew that colleges would be a calling and my achievement would, and I could just say to them, I'm going to X and Y college, so therefore I'm accepted into the assembly, okay? And so I remember taking this test and I just straight up, when I didn't know something, I was like, the girl next to me said, hey, give me your paper. Okay, thanks. And I was just, and I didn't care. And I remember not feeling, I felt zero conviction. Because in my head was this. This piece of paper is what's going to make my life acceptable because I'm going to get the grade. I'm going to make it. And so whatever I need to do, that makes sense to me. Okay? When I got to uh, the military academy, they had a different um, view on cheating. Right. It kind of went like this. A cadet will not lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. And in fact, in fact, it went like this. Um, your integrity was what was made you holy. You would be kicked out of the assembly, like literally kicked out of the school, if you lied, cheated, or stole. And so holiness was all about integrity. In fact, when, when uh, the class, even when the class president plagiarized a paragraph on his military history paper that like, it didn't even matter, but he did. And then he got kicked out of the whole school. It was like zero tolerance on that kind of stuff. Okay. So, in fact, to this day, I, Adrian hates this. When we, we go travel with the family, there's like six of us, and we roll into a hotel, and it says, the maximum occupancy for this room is five. And I'm like, we ought to go tell the hotel people that we might need to you know, be charged for extra. She's like, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I have to go do it. And I walk up to the person, and I'm like, we actually have six in the hotel room, so, um, I, you know, do we need to pay for it? And they look at me like, what? Like, they didn't even know that was a thing. And I'm like, okay, just making sure. All right, so that's kind of how that works, right? So, so but watch this. What happens, I think, with, with us is at least, we, we, that's acceptable. The, the current mode of the culture is authenticity and being real. And as long as you are real, it doesn't matter what you do, then you should be accepted into the general assembly. And anybody who says... Do not tell anybody what, what is right or wrong. You are, we, we are politely telling you to leave the general assembly. You are no longer holy. Does that make sense? In the Jewish word, your holiness, you're usually touching a dead thing uh, or, you know, menstrual cycles. You are not allowed into uh, the assembly of people. And so if you were unclean, you were not allowed. But so what we've sort of created is a different thing that we've kind of created as unclean. All right, so just make sure you guys are clear on that. And what happens for us is when we go to that, we have made the unclean thing of the culture. Anytime you tell anybody what is right or what is wrong, you are now unclean. Remember, do no harm. Do whatever you want, as long as it's consensual. Cool. Do you want to hear from God? See, this is the part where you're like, you could take on the culture. You're going to miss out on God. Somebody needs to hear that. You could take on the culture, 
but you're going to miss out on God. In fact, uh, chapter four, this is kind of the, the kind of the hammers, the purity thing, single platoon in. But since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. I'm going to suffer in the flesh. It's going to be hard. Got it. Okay. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So you're like, really? You've ceased from sin? Okay. What that means is, what he's means is like, if you've been persecuted for what you believe, like someone has like stoned you, put you in jail for a while because you won't conform to where, where, their way of life, like, listen, just, just do what the rest of the world does. Nobody's going to know or nobody's going to care. But when you start going around not living like everybody else, they're going to know you're different. So why go back to it and have, make that suffering for nothing? So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh. No longer for human passions, but for the will of God. This is how we should live. No longer for human passions, that's what the rest of the world does, but for the will of God. Okay, you, you're returning to God's will, purity, got it. For the time that is past suffices, or you've already done enough sinning. For doing what the Gentiles want to do, and he's going to give three things. Se- the sexual stuff, which is living sensuality and passions. Then we're going to talk about alcohol bitches, drunkenness, orgies, aren't like orgies like you're thinking. It's orgies like uh, we get a bunch of people with a bunch of alcohol and we just get blitz and we go for it. And then drinking parties, sort of like these are synonyms. And lawless idolatry, which is sort of like coverall for anything else he didn't say. With respect to this, they are surprised when you don't join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They might be maligning you. They might be calling you weird names because you're the weird person who doesn't engage and all that. You're just so different. You're holier than thou, whatever. And they're going to say, what? Just join us. And you're saying, listen, I don't want to join in that sort of extreme party because when I do that, I'm, you already have judgment on you. I don't want to act like I do. I don't want you to think that that's even a thing. All right. And then he says, verse 6, for this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, which are like, what? We preach to dead people? Do we have like baptism for the dead going on? No, no. The reason why, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, meaning they, they preached to it, they believed the gospel, and they died. That the, though judged in the flesh, the way people are, because Adam and, sin, Adam and Eve sin on the day that you sin, you surely die. They die. Physical death is always a consequence of sin. And we've been plagued by it for forever they might live in the spirit. So although they're dead in the body, they're alive in the spirit until one day we're going to get our bodies back whenever Jesus comes back. They might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. To which everyone's like, what do you mean sake of my prayer? No, the sake of your prayers. This is the important thing. This is the thing that I've been trying to kind of wrap our head around. This is it. This is the part of the, the test that I'm like, this is this. Do you want to know what God's will is? How do you know? How does God talk to you? Through your prayers. And if you don't even, this is where you're like, Chris, I don't even pray to start with. So I guess I'm, I get a pass. Sure, I get If you like what you're getting, keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to hear from God, then you don't do this, single people. If you want to know, is this the one? Do I give my whole life to this one person for like ever and ever and ever and ever? Live like the gospel is real to you and have a sense of holiness so that when you ask him, he will hear you. 
to your life. Doesn't he hear everything? So that he will answer you. He can hear everything. Got it. But do you want, he doesn't interact. Watch this. Here's, here's I think, how single people do this. You know, Jesus, we got a deal. I know you understand. i got just a lot of pressure on me right now. I'm really tired. I can't sleep. So porn just sort of helps, you know, take the edge off. Or at least I know the relationship with this, this person isn't exactly holy as, you know, those church people say. But listen, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I can't mess it up here. This is the last turn out. If I don't marry this one, there ain't no, not no one come around. And so what you're saying is, Jesus, I don't trust you. Just be my Dini and get back in your bottle and do what I ask. That is how most Christians, okay, I don't know, that's too generalized, that's too bad. That's how some Christians operate like that. So we don't pray, which is just weird. You have this Christian label, but you don't do anything Christians do. And it might be that you're actually just stealing the label. Stop stealing the label. Just be a non-Christian. Cool. We're, we love you. We are so glad you're here. We love people who don't believe in Jesus. What we don't like, and this I think you would all agree, is hypocrites. And listen, you're saying, aren't all people here? Yes, but it's the difference between I'm going to put on something like I've got it together and just fake it. That doesn't bode well. I'd rather you be like, yeah, I'm a complete train wreck. I can't do this. It's impossible. I tried all the things and I'm about ready to give up on life and all the things in my singleness because, listen, it's hard. Now we can work with that. See, God calls Christians to holiness. Holiness. And this is where we take God's word and we're like, let's just get that out of here. I feel a certain way. Well, that's... And my people, the ones that I like, they're ones that really let me just say, go for it. Uh, that, that's just the struggle. And my heart for you as a single person, as you're seeking out, like, God, what do I do next? You start, listen, if you want to hear from, if you want to hear from God, read God's word. If you want to hear God, like, out loud, audibly, read God's word out loud. Do this first. And then all the stuff that you're wanting, like, God, do I do this or do that? He'll let you know. Remember, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, who gives generous to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, you must believe and not doubt, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown tossed by the wind. That man should not receive anything from the Lord. He's an unstable man in all he does. So if you can't do what he already told you, how are you going to do the impression on your heart? Because then that gets weird, right? Like, I just feel like the Lord said to, nah, that can't be it. You can't even hear him because your heart's so cluttered by the darkness. That's why it's so important. Did you know that 1 John 1, 9 says, if, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, you're holy. And that opens up the door for your prayers to be heard. Remember, this is all for the sake of your prayers. Because if you've been single, you'll be like, God, please! Listen, I was there. I remember being 24, screaming in an empty house, going, God, I don't want to be single forever! And nothing happened. I've been there. Let's, let's press forward into married people, okay? Married people. Chapter 2 ends with, uh, you know, first submit to governing authorities, even if they're bad, evil people, because you're going to, Jesus did that. Jesus died of the cross, died at the hands of the government. Uh, 
Submit to Christ. the employers. Uh, if you're a slave, submit to them because Jesus is ultimately going to be glorified in the midst of that. Okay? Then, this, then after all that submitting stuff, it says, likewise wives. And here's where everyone's like, where are we going with this? All right, likewise, as, as you watch um, employees submitting to masters, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, this is important. This is what he's saying is, as all employees should submit to their masters, even the unreasonable, so all wives should submit to their husbands, even the unbelieving. Watch this. Even the unbelievers act like unbelievers. Because that, does that ever happen to your house? That your husband acts like an unbeliever? I know at our house, I'm pretty much the standard around here. I know I've never raised my voice, never gotten angry or frustrated. If you believe that, I got some ocean for property in Arizona. I, I think the struggle is, is that we all do that. And what God is saying is not dependent on the conduct of your spouse. It's dependent on you. Okay, now, why, why would he write this? Okay, remember, this is hardcore patriarchal society. Okay, you guys with me? And so here's what the rule of the day was. Women, you're worthless. Women, you don't get to testify in court. Women, you don't own any property. Women, you just sit there and shut up and be out of the way anyone can see you. That was the culture of that day. So watch what he said. In this time, if a husband was whatever XYZ religion, then the wife and the rest of the family was XYZ religion. That's the way it was. So when women became Christians, they're like, I guess I'm, I'm out of this relationship. See ya, right? And they said, no, 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 no. It's not quite like that. You need to win him. God has placed you in that relationship for a reason. You just don't do Audi because you're now a Christian, okay? And then, you know, as time went on, and this is because Peter, he's a married guy. He, he wrapped his head around this thought. He's like, um, listen, it's going to get hard, and sometimes they're going to act unbelieving, but when they see your respectful and pure conduct, it's going to win them over. Okay, to which you're like, nah, I don't know about that. Keep going. And then he's going to be like, ladies, check out, don't let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let the, your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. It's like a precious moments person. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, very precious. So what I, when people read this, they usually focus on the braiding of hair and putting on gold jewelry. Like, well, I guess we're all sinners, right? But that, it's not this. It's let your adorning be. Don't let it be external. Who you are is not on the outside. Who you are is on the inside, the hidden person of heart. So your focus is on the inside person because this is true. This is true. And listen, for the most part, after you're, not that you don't think your wife is the most amazing thing that's beautiful ever and ever and ever, forever and ever. Like, you don't think like, oh my gosh, she didn't put any makeup on today. Seriously, we need kind of little paint on the barn. Doesn't hurt anybody. Like, we, like in general, you just don't say that, right? <laughs> right? And nobody says that. Or, okay, at least I haven't heard that. I, that's never been the marital fight. All right? It just has not been the one I've had to deal with. Like, that's not the one we're dealing with. Usually it's like, he's so selfish and she's so, you know, naggy and blah, 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 blah. That's usually because it's on the, when the inside of the heart comes out, that's when the frustration starts. Nobody's worried about the outside unless you're single. 
Can I get an amen from the congregation? <laughs> All right. So that's just what happens. Okay. So listen, this work on the inside, not the outside. It'll make the outside look a whole lot better when you're not a blankety blank on the inside. Okay. That's free. Now for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. At any time you're talking about Peter 2000 years ago, talking about people 2000 years before that, we're talking old school. By submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, when I, I don't know if you know the story of Sarah and Abraham. <laughs> Submitting is a loose term. Very loose term. But she did call him Lord. I found the one spot that she called him Lord. And it wasn't actually in a conversation with him. It was in Genesis 18, 12, whenever she finds out that she's, or the angels come and they, you know, she starts laughing to herself. And she says, she says, laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? In other words, she called him Lord in her thoughts. She called him Lord on the inside. Now, on the outside, stuff like, you better get that woman away from me. I know I gave her to you to have sex with, have another kid with, but I hate her. You kick her out. Like that happened maybe once, twice, you know. Listen, I don't think what he's saying is, is you've got, I, I love the fact that he picked out like an imperfect couple. But that made me, oh, okay, got it. So Sarah, obey Abraham in your heart. Now, externally, you're going to probably screw that up a whole lot because, well, Sarah did. And you are her children if you do good. Now, I love this. You are her children if you do good, and you do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, think about that one. Don't fear anything that is frightening. How do you do that? You don't fear. You trust God. Listen, you trust God with your, what are we talking about here? Marriage. Well, that's hard. I don't want, no, listen, listen, I've got to take things in my own hands because you don't know who I'm married to. He is a complete and fill in the blank. I've heard it a lot. And if it's a lot of blankety blank blanks, it happens that this is who a lot of us are married to. And we're like, I am afraid that I'm going to get stuck. I'm afraid that things will never change. I am afraid. Okay. Next verse. Likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. And you're like, okay, what's that mean? Well, if you, listen, women, I don't know if you guys knew this, you're complicated. <laughs> Men simple, right? We take pat on head, we come back, do it again. Like we, we just, you just like, we, we will, we are like dogs. Like just, you could train us very easily. If you go a lot of clapping, a lot of praise, a lot of activity of wrestling in the bedroom works really well for us. Okay. Now what happens, what happens is that um, we don't because we get frustrated. Now, watch, I'll explain this more in a second. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, to which, again, I can hear every feminist in the building going, mm, we are not weaker. All right, yes, I know. He wrote this to a first century audience. Women couldn't what? Vote? They didn't, there wasn't even voting. They weren't, even, they weren't allowed to show up to anything. Your testimony, what? You're a woman? You don't count. Anybody else? Anybody else see the murder? We just have a girl over here. No, okay, I guess it didn't happen. That is the way it worked back then. So watch. You know what? She had zero power. So showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel who had no authority, who had no nothing in public, and you would honor her. 
And you say, and this is my wife, Adrian. Everyone's like, why is he introducing his wife? That's weird. I'm going to honor her in the presence of other people. Why? I'm going to let my light so shine before men so that they, God will, they'll see my good works and glorify my God in heaven. Like, wow, that is the way he treats her. And the, that, if you want to talk about evangelism among women, when a, a man of God treated his wife right in front of other people, everyone's like, all right, sign me up for that. I'm going to get him into the Christian church. I don't even know what they believe. I don't care. But when you treat your woman like that, I'm in. Do you know that doesn't actually change over time? Okay, so watch. And why do you do that? Because they are heirs. They are heirs with you. Okay, listen, I know we live in a world where everyone wants to bash Christianity because it's being patriarchal and blah, 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 blah. Honor your wife in the presence of everybody who doesn't. Because she is equal to you. Women, you're subject to your husband, but he's going to be caring for you. He's going to be providing, protecting, and pursuing you. Those are the three Ps, men. Provide, protect, pursue. So that you know that you are loved and you are honored. So, now watch this. This is the part that's going to blow your mind. It's okay, yeah, that, got it. That's how we do it. Yeah, men. Ah, sure, got it. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Why are we always back on this prayer thing? That's what I do when I, you know, my team's about to lose. We throw a Hail Mary up. Like, listen, this is, this is big. We want to, your prayers may not be hindered. Because if you want to know what to do, men and women, in your marriage, then you treat your spouse this way. Otherwise, your prayers will be hindered. You want to know what to do. Do what he's already told you. Then you'll be able to lead your family in the direction God has ordained for you because your prayers, you're talking to God, he's saying, hey, here's what God for you, will not be hindered. Now, in other words, God calls Christians to marital holiness in order that you could hear from. And I know I'm, I'm pounding this, like, but it's all over, like a couple verses later, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Who's Righteous people. How are you righteous? You do what it says and you don't live as a hypocrite. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect. Don't, you're like, oh, there it is. It's all about works. No, it's all about living by faith. And when you screw up and you scream at your spouse, you go, my bad. <laughs> I really got the flesh of the flesh, not my faith talking there. And we learn to, like, there are at least 10 or 11 apologies a day at our house. And sometimes the apology isn't so much that I'm sorry. It's like a touch on the shoulder like, hey, love you, love you. Okay, we're good. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? God calls Christians to marital holiness. And I think if we're not doing this part, we want this part to work. And it won't. And I want to take us to, to this one thought, all right? Um, women, ladies, wives. In this whole thing, be subject to your husband, kind of puts in there twice, and, you know, it's not about your external looks, it's about your internal looks. That's what's the most important thing, actually, to your husband and to God. Good news. It kind of aligns both things. So your role is to respond. Respond to your husband. Go back to the weaker vessel thing for a second. There's nothing more painful than watching a guy get run over by his wife. It's painful to watch. You, being emasculated, just going like, man, we don't do that here because I don't let 
my husband, blah, blah, blah. Like there is nothing more crushing to the soul than emasculation like that. And so sometimes, listen, ladies, you, are, you have actually, you're smarter and you're more talented in whatever the thing is. But instead of controlling, by saying, because this sometimes, for, for at least our house, ends up in an um, escalated argument <clears throat> where it goes like this. Here's what you need to do. You need to. Anytime you hear the words you need to come out of your mouth, just go, my bad. Um, what I meant to say is I need. Because what you're usually saying is I feel disconnected. I would love to have more time with you. As opposed to, you need to tell those people that you're not coming to work today. You're spending time with me. Like that just, what it says is I'm the stronger vessel and you're now going to obey me. You are subject to me. You with me? Emasculation. It leads to weak men. It causes men to check out on life and church. And so they just go play video games like children. Is that too hard? Sorry about that. I, I, but the reality is that's just what happens. So to convert your nag to a need, you have to use a lot of I feel. And it's okay to have all sorts of feelings. And then flip side, men, I need you to initiate. And we've talked about this. There's three things. It's you provide, you protect, you pursue your wife. And so what that means, when you live with them in an understanding way, you provide context for them to talk out a lot of their feelings. And I know for us, it's like, did it taste good? Then it was good. What happened to work? I don't know. I can't remember. I live in a wall. I'm in this compartment. And women have a lot more emotions that can stay connected to them since like fourth grade. And they still tell you those stories that somehow connect. And you're like, I don't know how that works, but I'm going to listen and say, tell me more about that. Well, Adrian and I, whenever the moments where we feel disconnected, we have to have couch time, which is like the DWA, daily delay, weekly withdrawal, annual abandon. We can go to that some other time. But the daily delay is where, like, if we're sort of like, it's like, hey, it's our time to talk now. So tell me about it. And that's where we work it out every day. And that's work, especially if you haven't done it in a while. It's It's like going to the gym and working out. You don't put 250 on the 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 bench press, you kind of start with your, just the bar, and you're not throwing out 45, right? It's hard to do it first. And then show them honor. In this day and age, show them honor in public is like preparing for date night. And I think a lot of us, we prepare for date night. A lot of men prepare for date night. We plan for our wedding. I don't know about you, but I did. I showed up to the wedding. That's about as much planning went in for me. And so what happens when we put as much effort into our dating, our date nights after we're married as we put into the wedding, what happens is frustration And when you say these words, I don't care. Those are like three words that should never come out of your mouth. When you say, I don't care, what you mean is, I have no preference. I'd love to serve you in whatever way you would like. But what what she hears is, is I don't care about you. So work that part out so that she feels connected. And this is where you're going to show, it's just a basic part of initiation. Remember, we don't get home and shut down, we get home and it's game on with kids, game on with our wife, game on until she is ready for bed. And then in the more early morning is our me time. You don't get me time, especially in the world of small children, which is where a lot of us are. You don't get me time unless it's at 4.30 a.m. Okay. This is called the marital holiness. Because when we do that, we get to hear his voice I want to reiterate, I think I've been saying this all morning, James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Okay, that's the part that we're tuned into. 
I want to know God's will. I want to know what to do in my marriage. I want to know what to do in my singleness. Let him ask in faith. And a lot of times we ask in the flesh. With no doubting. In other words, I doubt your word. You've already told me one thing. I want something else. It's like when you go to mom and mom says no. And then you go to dad and you're like, give me something better. And you don't tell the whole story. And dad's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Go play the video game. Right? That's, that's how that works. I don't like your word. I'll ask your spirit. And if the spirit says, or if I, I don't like your word, I'll ask some people. The people tell me the thing. I'll ask the spirit and I can make the spirit say whatever because it's in my head. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person not supposed he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Do you remember? The fruit of the Spirit is joy and love. When you remain in him, and he in you, you have the power for joy. You have the power to love one another as God intended it. And so we live this out. And when we lack wisdom, he want, he's a good dad. He's not holding out. He just wants you to do what he already told you to do. And every parent already knows what that's like. Daddy, I want to go get a new Nintendo Switch. I already told you to go clean your room. Nah, I just want a Nintendo Switch. No good parent will be like, oh, well, you're right. Let's go. Hop in the car. Are you ready for your calling? Are you ready to obey what you already know? so that you can hear from him on the things that you can't perceive that are not written in here. How do I interact with my spouse when it gets really hard? You have God's people. We're always here for you on that. God's word tells you to love him. And you're like, it gets confusing and frustrating. If you're single and you're like, I don't know, I've been in this toxic, crazy relationship, and I think, well, I might as well marry him because, you know, well, you know, and you list the things out. And I'm like, listen, You've been making decisions all based on emotion for all this way and not in faith, thinking that you could control it and fix it and control it and fix it. And what I'm saying to this point is like, stop. Walk in faith, not in flesh. Holiness, not in do no harmness. Because ultimately that do no harmness harms you. And so if you are not a Christian, my hope for you is that you would come to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead and that his design is awesome and it's good and you can trust him. If you're not, if you've been a Christian for a while and listen, you, you, you said all the stuff, you got up, you did the member presentation thing, you're like, yes, I commit to reading my Bible regularly and then you haven't, <laughs> this might be a good time to say, Jesus, I'm going to start doing that all over again. I'm going to start praying to you. I'm going to start obeying what I already, that you've already said before I try to listen to that which is specific to me. And I won't fill my life up with other things to numb me from hearing from you. Whether that's work, or video games, or social media, or you name the thing. Are you ready for your calling? Today we're going to take communion. And as you think about your calling, I want you to think about Jesus. Because without Jesus, it doesn't even matter. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And then he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, your, the way that your body lives on bread, your soul is designed to live on Jesus.
That same night, he took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Before you try to be holy through good works, be holy by believing. And we remind ourselves that it's not our work, it's not our blood, sweat, and tears, it's his blood that saved us, freed us. So if you're a Christian, we invite you <clears throat> to take communion. If you're not, I'd say pass on that. But if today's the day where you're going to step over that line of faith, we'd love for you to take communion with us to say, I'm a member of the family of God. So we're going to pray. We're going to take 30 seconds to repent of any darkness in our heart that sort of led control, led in the flesh, not in faith. And maybe that's the time where you're going to say, Jesus, I want you in my life right now. And then we're going to take communion together. And then we're going to worship. Will you pray with me? Father, I, I know that there are many here that are leaning into you and your goodness. And God, some are tasting you for the very first time. Everything sounds right and they want to hear from you, but they, they don't really fully understand all that means. And simply, God, I pray that they would just confess that they're a sinner they can't be holy. It's impossible aside from your grace and that you were holy for them. You died on the cross for all their sin and you rose from the dead. And the Holy Spirit, you would come into their life and you would make them the person you designed them to be. Design them for the good works that you prepared beforehand. And so God, we worship you. And so Lord, uh, I'm asking that as we take communion together that there be those who are taking communion for the first time or maybe the first time as a believer. And God, for those of us that have been struggling uh, just because life got hard in our marriage or in our singleness, that God, we would uh, seek first your holiness, your righteousness, and all those things would be added to us as well. But God, there, in the places that where we have fallen short and sort of relied upon the flesh, will you help us to repent from that, change from that, grow in that? We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take the In case you didn't know, uh, the word hallelujah is Hebrew. Hallelujah means praise, and Yah is short for God. And so we've been singing, anytime you say hallelujah, you're saying praise the Lord, praise God for what he's doing. Now imagine, just for a second, if in your seeking his calling, his word, it transform you to a place of holiness not because so that you could be accepted but because you so were and he would empower you and you would remain in him and he would remain in you and as apart from him you can do nothing but you would have joy and you would have love and then all the things that you didn't know what to do he would give you wisdom imagine imagine how that would change you imagine how that would change your family Imagine how that would change your business. Imagine how that would change this church. Imagine how that would change the city. When a church was light in the darkness, it would change everything. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who are holy and not simply people who just do no harm. Go and be a people who are praising God on the inside as well as the outside. Go and be a people who are looking to put others ahead of yourself. Go and push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are saved.